His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like evil eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The word of the Lord is already blessed. Take it into your hearts and live it. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we come into your presence tonight seeking your face and your hand and your word, God. We thank you for being our omnipotent, omnipresent God. You are all powerful, always with us, Lord God. You are always loving, always true, and we are so grateful to be your children, God. We pray in the name of Jesus for every soul that is watching online or gathered in this building, God. We confess everything, God. We lay everything down at your feet. Just let nothing get between you and us in these moments in your presence, God. We seek you with our whole hearts, oh God, because you promised in your word that we would seek you and find you when we search for you with all of our hearts. So we gather together in this place, oh God, in one heart, asking you to have your way, God. Be pleased by what you hear and see in this place, God. Impart unto your people a word, a fresh word, a fresh breath, that we might represent you as the light, oh God, in a world filled with darkness. Father, we love you. We adore you. We're grateful, God. In a time filled with COVID, God, we have survived, God. In a time filled with cancer, God, we have survived, God. But we lift up those even now a part of this family and connected to this family who are still struggling with illness and struggling with disease and struggling with sickness and depression, God. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would just move everything out of the way so that they can Focus in on you and receive what they need to keep going, keep pressing along the way. God, we pray for this city, God. We pray for this nation. We pray for the children who have gone back to school today. We pray for the educators, God. We pray for the administrators, God. We pray for minds and hearts across the land that you might revive us all again. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory, God. Revive us again so that we can represent you, so that we can make you smile, so that we can draw the dying into new life. God, oh, how we love you. We adore you. We appreciate you. We honor you. We give glory to your name so richly deserved, God. No matter what you keep doing, we're going to trust you. No matter how long it takes, God, we're going to trust you. No matter what you decide, God, we're going to stand with you. We believe you, God, above every report. And we say that it is so. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And we all said together, amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated in the house.
better than that. Let me try that one more time. Anybody here got a praise on your lip? Anybody here got a praise in your spirit? Anybody here got a praise in your soul? You ought to go ahead and let it out. The Bible says that we were created to give God praise. Amen. Come on, can you help me to celebrate tonight our musical ensemble? Thank you, and let's give God praise for them tonight. Amen. Amen. This is the first night of our revival services, and we're certainly delighted and elated for those that are watching us online, as well as those that are making their way into the sanctuary. And of course, we're moving service right along, and we're certainly delighted and elated for each and every one of you who have come to this sacred space physically and who are joining us virtually. We thank God for your presence tonight. I want you to do me a favor if you are watching us online to share this experience with others as far as the zoom uh, video chat let us know that as well and if you don't mind take a picture of yourself and put it on our platform we want to celebrate you and we want to thank god for you and i also want you to do me this favor if this is the first time you are engaging us online post first time in our first impression ministry online we'll touch base with you and let you know how delighted we are and we're going to give you a digital welcoming package as well amen i am certainly delighted uh three of my good colleagues in ministry uh are here tonight there may be others that are here as well uh dr ralph mccormick and dr sherman tribble and uh dr larry coverton passed uh, dr tribble and dr coverton came all the way from burlington i'm going to ask all clergy would you please stand in the house we want to thank god for your presence all clergy god bless you god bless you god bless you of course our own uh Reverend Rosie of Blue, we thank God for you. We thank God for all the clergy that are here. Um, I don't know about anybody else. I know that when we were at church, Dr. Kerry and uh, Carter in full capacity, we used to travel miles to go and hear great preaching. 
And I would dare say we have some great preachers that's going to be with us tonight uh, as well as this week. So we're looking forward to the Lord doing an incredible, incredible thing as far as that is concerned. At this time, I believe we have a video and we're going to go ahead and run that video at this time. And then we're going to ask that you will prepare your hearts and minds for the service of giving. tree just like that one. This tree was on a hill far away and on it stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for the world of lost sinners was slain. So I'm going to cherish that old rugged cross till my trophies at last I... So when I come out, see, come forth has to do with shining. He said, when I come forth, I'm going to be shining in a way that I've never shown before. Because what I've been through has not been wasted. That when I come out of this, I got to come out of this different than how I went in. Every church ought to come out of this pandemic different than it went in. Every ministry ought to come out different than it went in. Families ought to come out different than we went in. Individuals, you ought to come out, brothers, sisters, no way to go through all of this and waste it. That I'm looking to come out in a different way. I shall come forth as... Amen. Amen. We're looking forward to a great time this week as far as revival is concerned. And we're thanking God for the wonderful opportunity to share in this gathering. Well, beloved, listen, it is time to give. It is time to give. It is time to give. And we're preparing to lift up an offering. So let's go ahead and let's give God praise for those that are watching us online. We're giving you this wonderful opportunity to join us as well. This week, this week is our uh, annual revival. And, uh, of course, I'm going to give $100 each night. Anyone that would love to join me, I would love for you to do that. However, whatever you feel led to give, uh, as far as you're sensing God's blessing you, uh, we invite you to do that. There are three ways you can give here at St. Paul Church. Well, a variety of ways. The first one is, of course, you can either mail your check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, uh, North Carolina 28205. You can also drop off check, cash, or money order at the church. Uh, just call the church office first at 704-334-5309 to make sure someone is here to receive your gift. And we will place it in the safe and it'll be part of the next count. Uh, the other way you can give is through ACS or Vimeo, which is through our church website. You can also give through the app called Givelify. And if you don't have that app on your smart device, download that app, connect to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give. Amen? Amen. If you have a physical offering in the house tonight, on the outer edges, um, there should be a basket beside your aisle. And for those that are on the outer edges, in just a moment, we're going to ask you to take that basket, pass it down for those that want to give a physical offering tonight.
So tonight as we prepare to give, I'm going to ask if you're giving digitally or if you're giving physically, if you would take your offering or if you've already given, just hold up your right hand. Take your offering, place it in your right hand. We want to give God what's right not what's left. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come on the first night of the watch as we prepare to give tonight as far as this act of worship. And God, we don't do it grudgingly or out of necessity, but cheerfully because we're told you love the cheerful giver. And your word reminds us if we sow sparingly, we reap sparingly, but if we sow much, we shall reap much. We come right now giving in accordance to your word and giving not looking for a blessing, but we're given because we know we're already blessed. It is in the name of your son, Jesus the Christ, we pray. And in his name, we claim it done. Let every heart that truly believes say amen. If you would, for those that have uh, baskets, if you would pass those baskets down. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and receive the Lord's offering at this time. Amen. Thank you so very, very much. As we prepare for tonight's um, worship experience, it is a joy and privilege to introduce our first preacher for the night. And of course, uh, last year, he introduced himself in sterling fashion as far as this revival is concerned. He is a friend and brother beloved, the Reverend Dr. Jerry Carter. And, of course, we are more than honored that he would take time from his busy schedule and his church, the Calvary Baptist Church in Morristown, New Jersey, to come and share with us. Um, his accolades are sterling as far as uh, the academy is concerned. But even more importantly than that, he has both the learning and the burning. And so we are certainly delighted that the Lord has laid on his heart the time and capacity to come and share with us in this digital space here at the St. Paul Church. So I'm going to ask that you all will pray for him, pray with him, that the Lord will use him in a mighty and magnificent way as far as this preaching moment is concerned on the first night of our revival services. Amen. Amen. So if you will put your hands together and prepare your hearts as far as his preachment is concerned with a wonderful affirmation. Our ensemble is going to bless us with song, and then we're going to have a, um, a song from our hymn choir. And then after that, the next voice you will hear will be that of the Reverend Dr. Jerry M. Carter, Jr., the pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church in Morristown. Pray for him and with him as the Lord will use him in a mighty and magnificent way. Every day is joy knowing you as Savior and Lord. I'm reminded as I relook upon the 
our preparational hymn this evening. Hymn 565. Most of you refer to it as the revival hymn. Suited to eight, sevens, and fours. It's just a different rhythm. Hymn 565. Savior, visit thy plantation. Grant us, Lord, a gracious reign. All will come to desolation unless thou return again. Lord, revive us. Lord, revive us. All our help must come from thee. Keep no longer at a distance. Shine upon us from on high. Lest for want of thine assistance, every plant should droop and die. Lord, revive us. Lord, revive us. All our help must come from thee. Let our mutual love be fervent. Make us prevalent in prayers. Let each one esteem thy servant. Shine the world's bewitching snares. Lord, revive us. Lord, revive us. All our help must come from thee. There's no further lining. Savior, visit thy plantation. Grant us, Lord, a gracious reign. Savior, visit the Desolation, unless thou return again. Oh, we come to desolation, unless thou return again. Lord, revive us. Lord, revive us. All our help must come from thee. Lord, revive us. Lord, revive us. All our help must come from thee. Oh, Lord, revive Shine upon us from on high.
Let's bow in prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Gracious God, we are so grateful for the privilege of being together one more time. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you for life, health, and strength enough to be gathered here and then for those who are joining in online, God, we thank you for them as well, for the congregation that we can't see. We're grateful. Thank you for this revival, and pray that you would do just that, that you would revive us, animate us through your word. We ask now that you would just clear the clutter from our minds. Break up the fallow ground where the seed of your word can be planted in the soil of our hearts that will bring forth fruit in the days to come. In the strong name of Jesus we pray. Amen. But this is the day the Lord has made, and we rejoice and we are glad in. Come on, this is the day the Lord has made, and we rejoice. Glad in this day. God is an amazing God. Yeah, God is a great God. And we don't take for granted God's goodness and greatness on today. Matter of fact, great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised. Yep, 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 yep. Let me uh, express my thanksgiving first, my thankfulness to. Uh, Dr. Scott for the invitation to come back and share in this time of word and worship to be with St. Paul, amazing church. God has blessed you um, in the life of this fellowship here. And then uh, this leader that God has placed here in your midst is one of the great leaders of our times. And I thank God for Dr. Robert. Was grateful to see some familiar faces I see here, some folks here in Charlotte, and then some pastors uh, from around the area, the vicinity. Thank you all for, for coming. And then to share in this task again with my brother, uh, Dr. William Curtis, is a privilege that I value greatly. And uh, he is, as you know, he is our preacher. So thankful to be uh, partnered with him. Join me now in scripture. 
in the book of Zephaniah, All right. chapter 3. Some of y'all didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? <laughs> I said Zephaniah, is that the apocrypha or something? Zephaniah, chapter 3. I'll give you about an hour to find that. I'll catch y'all about 9 o'clock. What did I say? Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Hear these words? Yes, sir. I'm reading from the New International Version. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. His, in his love, he will no longer rebuke you but we'll rejoice over you with singing. Yes, Amen. Amen. I want to talk about the God who sings. The God who sings. You can tell a lot about a person's character and their priorities by their last words. Yeah. Last words spoken of by that... Um, heralded composer and performer Beethoven as he was on his deathbed his last words were uh, sound the applause <laughs> the comedy is over uh, the last words of that dreaming innovator Steve Jobs were simply on his deathbed oh wow last words of Bob Marley the reggae uh, performer who made plenty of money as he was on his deathbed, his last words were, money can't buy life. The last words of Oscar Wilde, the uh, inimitable and optimistic playwright, as he sat there, laid there on his deathbed, was simply, either the wallpaper goes or I do. <laughs> the last words of Humphrey Bogart, the playboy uh, party animal as he lied there on his deathbed. His last words were, I should have never switched from scotch to martinis. <laughs> <laughs> the words I read in your hearing, my, my, my. here in Zephaniah chapter 3, are God's last words in this prophetic oracle. Obviously, God is not on God's deathbed, but these are God's last words to people of Judah who were on their way imminently into punishment of alienation and exile. Heretofore, in the book of Zephaniah, there had been words of judgment. Yeah, there's another side of God that is seen as the God of judgment. God who must judge in order to honor God's holiness. The words up to this point in this prophetic oracle were words of judgment and the outpouring of God's active wrath and judgment upon the people of God was caused by their attempt to engage in a syncretistic religion 
wherein they serve Jehovah and Baal. They thought that they could serve Jehovah and worship Baal simultaneously. Didn't matter what religion you ascribed to as long as you were part of some religion. Did not matter what name you put on the deity as long as you believed in something. Well, God was not putting up with that. God wanted them to know that he was not going to tolerate any kind of watered-down ecumenism. Because he was, in his own words, a jealous God. Mm -hmm. And he had every right to be jealous because these were his people. You can't be jealous about something that doesn't belong to you. You can only be envious, but you can't be jealous. Jealousy implies some possession. Jealousy implies some relationship. And God had the right to be jealous when it came to the people of Judah, the people of Israel, because God was the one who had opened up the Red Sea for them and enabled them to cross as on dry ground. God was the one who had led them through the horrific, unrelenting experience through the wilderness. God was the one who had enabled them to cross, cross the swollen Jordan River. God was the one who led them into a land flowing with milk and honey. So if anybody had the right to demand an adulterated loyalty and an unalloyed love, Jehovah did. And so, and so up to now, all I'm trying to say is up to now in the book of Zephaniah, there had been a record of the outpouring of God's judgment that was coming on the day of the Lord. Here it is, all that was for free. Because by the time you get to the passage that I read in your hearing, there's a shift that takes place. Suddenly there is this shift. There is this turn. The prophet turns a corner when he begins to talk now about restoration. Within the same chapter, there's a move from judgment to restoration. God's last, I already told you, you can tell a whole lot about a person's character and their priority by their last words. Okay, you're missing me. And God's last words here in the book of Zephaniah are words of restoration. Because God's last words about you are never about your mistakes. They're always about your redemption. Okay, God's last words about you are never about you going in the wrong direction. But it's about you turning things around through his grace and changing the trajectory of your life. God's last words are never about how you messed up. God's last words are always about you making a comeback. Never about how you fell behind, but always about how you made a comeback. When that young man came back home, his older brother's last words were simply, uh, this is your son who wasted your living on wicked living. Uh, uh, but the words of the father interrupted those last words. The father had his own last words when he said it was necessary. <laughs> Come on, for us to have a good time. It was necessary for us to party because this, your brother, was dead and is now alive. He was lost. I'm trying to tell you, you can tell a whole lot about a person by their last words. God's last words are about restoration in this passage. 
He wants Jerusalem, the people of Judah, to know, I know you've gotten yourself in a bad predicament. I know life has found you in a place where you really don't want to be. But your restoration is on the way. And your restoration is based on my character. Isn't that something that no matter what we have gone through and where we find ourselves as a country and as churches, our comeback, our restoration is really not rooted and grounded in who the president is. It's not rooted and grounded in who our politicians are. It's not rooted and grounded in what the interest rate is. But our turnaround, our restoration is always based on God's character. And God's character here is described in his Promises. He says, I'm promising you restoration because I am the God who saves. Stop right there. Your restoration is, is based on the fact that God is a God who saves. Look at what the prophet says. He says, the Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He wants them to know that when you come out of what you're in, the only way you'll be able to explain it is that God did it. Because what you're in is so intense and so intractable that there's no way you could get yourself out. So when you get to the other side of it, you'll have the same testimony that those folks did in the Psalms. That if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. I wonder, I know it's early, but am I looking at anybody here who's ever had the testimony that the, you know the only reason you made it to the other side of what you were in had nothing to do with your ingenuity. It had nothing to do with your income. It had everything to do with the fact that God is a God who say, as a matter of fact, he's such a God that who says that the language changes here in this passage. The language changes because when you read Zephaniah chapter 3, initially the prophet is talking about what God is going to do. But eventually God steps in and starts talking about what God's going to do. It moves from third person to first person. From the prophet saying this is what God's going to do to God saying this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to deal with your oppressors. I'm going to restore your fortunes. God says, I'm so confident in what I'm going to do. I can't even put it in the mouth of the prophet. I have to tell you myself what I'm going to do. Is there anybody here knows that we serve a God who will save? Look at the accolade that is thrown upon him. He is called the mighty warrior. <laughs> Come on, help me preach. He's called the mighty warrior. The mighty warrior is one who has distinguished himself in battle. And comes back home as the local hero. <laughs> this is the God who has distinguished himself in battle. I wonder, has he ever distinguished himself in any of your battles? Has he ever distinguished himself when you were in the hospital? Has he ever distinguished himself in seasons of unemployment? This is the God who distinguishes so much so that when you have a little bit of strength, God will fight with you. When you have no strength... God will fight for you. Every now and then, he'll have to step in and say, you sit down somewhere, let me fight for you because God is the mighty, that's the accolade. But then look at his ability. He's the mighty warrior who saves. God doesn't just have the title. God has the ability. He doesn't have an honorary doctorate. He has an earned doctorate. 
He is the one who is, okay, you're missing me. He's the mighty warrior and he actually saves. He actually does what his title indicates. The queen of England uh, sits on the throne. The queen of England is robed in the regalia of royalty. But really, her position is ceremonial. Because the day-to-day operation of the country is in the hands of other people. Jehovah sits on the throne. Jehovah is robed in the regalia of his own righteousness. And his royalty is not ceremonial. He actually runs things. Come on, he actually holds the world in the palm of his hand. I know that our restoration is based on the fact that God is a God who saves. He's the mighty warrior, that's the accolade. He he saves at his ability, but then he's with us, that's his availability. Because it wouldn't help us if he's the mighty warrior. If he's able to save, but he's not available. (laughs) Come on, y'all, I thought I was in St. Paul. Look, according to the psalm, God is our refuge and our strength. And then it says a very present because if we would be in trouble if he is our refuge and our strength, but not present, he's with us. I said, he's with us. I said, he's with us. I said, he's with us. This is the God who's the mighty warrior who saves, who is with us. Every promise that's made in verse 17 is a promise about what God will do. But this particular promise is a promise about who God is. Every promise here is about what God will do. But this promise is about who he is. And what I have learned is that the is of God will sustain you until the will of God delivers you. And most people can only shout over what God will do. But until God does that, God is something. Until God heals you, God is your peace. Come on, is there anybody here who knows that who God is will keep you? Until what God will do will sustain you. I'm shouting on tonight for the fact that our restoration is connected to the character of God. Character of God is that he's a God who saves. Push on, preacher. According to the one verse, and we don't have to go outside the verse, God is not only the God who saves, but he's also the God who's silent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know according to whatever translation you may read, that that line will read differently in in the NIV, which is the, the version I choose for tonight. It says, in his love, he will no longer rebuke you. Literally, that line reads, in his love, he will be silent. Uh Uh-huh. Silent about what? Silent about whatever you did that caused you to go into exile in the first place. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes we don't know when to shout. Even if you're not a shouter, and I know you got the mask on, but let me try it again. That he promises to be quiet about what you did. Okay, now if you haven't done anything then you have the justification to just sit there and look wise and otherwise. But if there's anybody here who knows that there's some stuff that God could be loud about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says he promises not just to save us, but to be silent. Um, Because up to this point in the book of Zephaniah, 
uh, the prophet had been loud about the people's disobedience. And whenever God is loud about somebody's disobedience, it's never meant to embarrass them. But it's actually a manifestation of God's love, which is meant to lead to restoration. God never tries to blow up your spot. God never tries to shine a light on you to embarrass you or humiliate. Now, people will, but not God. If God is preaching to me, if God is trying to expose me to me, it's because he wants me to be a better me. But now he says that in the day of restoration, beyond the day of your judgment, not only am I the God who saves, help me preach, but I'm also the God who is silent. I grow quiet about what you've done. Now, 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 here's the best part. God doesn't grow silent because God ignores what I've done. To ignore my sins would be God not being God. But when you read Zephaniah, uh, at one point in this same oracle, he says, I will remove the offense. So the only reason God is silent about the offense is because the offense has been removed and there ain't nothing to talk about. Okay, um, um, I know we like the scene that he looked beyond my faults and he saw my needs. But really, Zephaniah is saying something different. Zephaniah is saying he looked at my faults, saw my needs, and took care of the offense. God doesn't just ignore my craziness. God removes it. I think it was John who said, John the Baptist who said to his disciples, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I can't talk about them because there's nothing there to talk about because God fixes, God removes what was causing the noise. God removes that which was red like crimson. God removes that. It's called, the smart people call it atonement. It's when God repairs and fixes that which has been broken. And he did it through his son. I wish we could catch this thing. He did it through his son, Jesus Christ. He didn't just ignore our sins, but he did what was necessary through the blood of Jesus Christ to atone, to make reparations, to fix what was broken. And now you can stand before the Lord in confidence and now there is an at one mint because of the atonement he has removed the offense and now uh, look at somebody tell them there ain't nothing to talk about <laughs> look, 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 you, there's no look um my son and I and I'm almost done with here my, my son and I were a part of the same gym YMCA uh there in Morristown and um I, eventually he wasn't able to pay his fee to get into the Y and he would still come in and try to operate on what they call grace time. Well, they would still allow him to come in for a couple of weeks, uh, even though his membership had expired. Here was the problem though. Every time he scanned his card, there was a loud beep, beep, so that everybody around knew your membership was expired and you couldn't just sneak in. Well, I was tired of that happening. So one day, without him knowing it, I actually put some money to his account and I paid the fee mm-hmm, so that the next time he came in, 
He expected there to be a loud noise when he scanned his card, but there was no noise when he scanned his card. He looked at the person who was working behind the desk and and, and said, what happened that there's no more noise? He said, well, your father came through and took care of that which you... Oh, look, 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 the truth of the matter is every time you preach, there ought to be a loud noise Be because your membership has expired. Every time you come to church ought to be a loud noise. Everybody ought to know that your salvation has expired, but because he paid it all. Do I have a witness here? So, oh, come on, even if you're not a shouter, you ought to bless his name for the fact that God is not only the God who saves. But he's also the God who is silent. And our restoration as people, our restoration as a country, as a church, is based upon the very character of who God is. And that's why we got to preach God. That's why we got to sing about God. And all of our preaching and singing cannot be about what God is doing for people, but who God is in God's self. That God is the God who saves. Do you know he's a God who saves? Come on, do I have a witness here? He's a God who saves. He's a God who rescues. He's a God who is silent. But then he's also the God who sings. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a very strange concept. This is a very strange idea. It says, but, 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 but this God will rejoice over you with singing. Period. That, that kind of changes depending on what um, punctuation you put at the end of the sentence. Uh, uh, God will rejoice over you with singing, period. Just a fact. God will rejoice over you? Question mark. Okay, you'll catch it on the way home. Really? And then God will rejoice over you. Exclamation. Uh, he, this is a strange idea that God is so excited about your restoration that God starts singing. That God starts singing about God's reclaimed bride. Um, you all recall that scene in the color purple? When Suge and Miss Seely were walking through the meadow and Suge sees some purple wildflowers and she says, you know, God gets kind of upset. Literally, she says, God gets pissed off if you see the color purple and you don't notice it. And then she starts thinking about her own redemption and she looks at Miss Seely and says, Miss Seely, I feel like singing. <laughs> That's all God is saying here. That when I think about your restoration. Okay, maybe you can't even shout over your own redemption, but God said, okay, you can sit there if you want to, but tonight here in St. Paul, I'm singing over the fact that I brought you through all that you've been through. I'm singing over the fact that you have the nerve to be sitting here in church. According to Isaiah, I don't know, Isaiah 54 and 1 People shout over restoration. According to Isaiah 55 and 12, nature shouts over restoration. But here in Zephaniah, God sings and shouts over your restoration. According to Alexander uh, McLaren, it it, it is as though joy takes a voice. (laughs) 
joy always has a voice. And the voice that joy takes in this text is the voice of singing. Prose won't do it. Yes, talk won't do it. Speech won't do it. Singing is the only thing that God can do when he looks at what you were versus what you are right now. Now here's is the contrast. Here's the tension, Dr. Curtis, in this text is that the same God who was silent about your sins sings about your redemption. That's the best I can do. <laughs> that, that, that the God who's quiet about how you messed up all of a sudden gets loud in your redemption. He gets loud in your restoration. As a matter of fact, look at the language. But it's, uh, the prophet says that God will rejoice over you with singing. That word rejoice is an amazing word. It has to do with the whole idea of spinning around under the influence of a violent emotion. Let me try it again. That, that, That as God is singing, God is spinning. Okay, God is is shouting as God is singing. Okay, third time, that God is shout. He said, you may not shout, but I'm going to shout in what I did for you. The same God who is singing is also shouting, and he has the nerve to do it over me. He has the nerve to do it over you. This is the God who sings over sinners. Heaven shall rejoice over one sinner. Who repents more so than over 99 just persons. This is the God. Can I talk about the fact that God sings? Have you ever heard God sing? I said, have you ever heard God sing? God is a perfect God. Therefore, he sings in perfect pitch. He never gets off key. He sings. We have known some um, inimitable voices in the likes of Nat King Cole and Billie Holiday and Donnie Hathaway and, 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 and on and on. We, we have known some inimitable voices in the voices of the uh, Layla Hathaways and the Whitney Houstons. We've known some voices in the Luther Vandrosses and the Stevie Wonders and the Patti LaBelle, but none of them can sing like Jehovah. Have you ever heard him sing? I said, have you ever heard him sing? He sings in the whispering winds of the trees. He sings in the silent symphonies of the snow-capped mountains. He sings in the morning hymns of the blue jays. He sings in the mighty roar of the ocean. He sings in the golden wheat fields of middle America. Have you heard him sing? If you're quiet loud enough, if you're still loud enough, You will hear him sing. Can't you hear him sing right now? He's rejoicing over somebody right now. I got to take my seat. But what I want you to see is that this passage is bracketed by singing. I said it's bracketed by singing. Verse 14, I didn't have time to read it. Um, The people are commanded to sing. In verse 17 that I read, God is singing. Okay. It's almost as though the prophet is saying if God can sing, 
back in the middle of last century, um, Duke Ellington used to have these things, stay right there, called sacred concerts. Uh-huh. And in Duke Ellington's sacred concerts, uh, he would command the people, he would, he would admonish the people to, to, to sing and, and, and dance and play instruments to the glory of God. Well, in one particular sacred concert there at the National Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C., it was a $12,000 a seat fundraiser. And the people were black tied down, dresses the sisters had on, and tuxedos and bow ties. And everybody was dignified, stale, and stayed. And, and, and Duke Ellington got up and said, praise God and dance. Well, nobody danced. Because they were aghast of their sophistication being offended like that. He said, praise God, and nobody danced. Well, Duke Ellington looked at his band and said, get in the aisles. And Duke Ellington himself got in the aisles and started dancing and singing. And after that, everybody else joined him as, as if they were saying, if Duke could dance, if the Duke could sing, then we ought to dance ourselves. And I'm going to my seat, and I want you to know that if God can sing, then you ought to sing yourself. If God can jump and spin, I know that we. I, I, I know it might not be your character or your nature, but if there's anybody here on tonight who who, who rejoices in the fact that God sings over you, as a matter of fact, that's the way it works. If God can sing over you, then surely you can sing. Over God. When, when, when we start to think about the fact that he's the one who saves us. He's the one who's silent about our sins. He's the one who sings about our redemption. Then if you're not too ashamed, then you ought to open up your mouth, even underneath your mask, and tell him, thank you. Thank you. For saving me. Now, if he's never ever rescued you, you have the permission to keep your mouth closed. But if the Lord has ever rescued you, is there anybody here who simply wants to thank him for rescuing you, for saving you? If there's anybody here who's grateful for the fact that he's silent when he could have been loud. Look at your neighbor and tell him he could have been loud about what I've done. He could have been loud about my craziness, but he's been silent. He's silent right now. When I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul shouts hallelujah, shouts hallelujah. Is there anybody here? Who's not too ashamed to sing? Who's not too ashamed to dance? Who's not too ashamed to lift up your hands and simply tell him thank you for your last words? Your last words are words of restoration. Your last words are words of redemption. I gotta leave you now, but before I go, somebody ought to take five seconds. I'm not trying to get a cheap thrill here, but somebody ought to take five five seconds and simply praise his name if he sings over you sing over him he woke you up this morning he started you on your way he put joy in your soul yeah
bless his name. If you're thankful for his restoration, bless his name. Let's bless the Lord in this place. How many of y'all know that a God that sings over you ought to get a praise from you right now? Let me try that again. A God that sings over you ought to get a praise for you right now. Let me try that one more time for the Holy Ghost. A God that sings over you ought to get a praise from you. Because when you think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for you, somebody ought to at least holler hallelujah. God, my God. Yeah, man. Mm. Can we celebrate this preacher tonight? My God. What a word. What a word. What a word, what a word, what a word. We've been blessed on the first night of the watch. The God who sings. I want to, at this time, there may be somebody here who, as the saints of old, you sing, sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. You got a God who will sing over you and come and rescue you at the same time. I want to invite you right now. Just want to do this prayer. A prayer to the God that sings. And if this prayer is appropriate for you, I want you to make a decision for either Christ or church. Either online or if you're in the house. And if you're in the house or you're online and you don't want to be a part of St. Paul, I got plenty of churches I can send you to. Second Calvary, I see my brother Thomas Farrow in here, Rita Memorial. There's a whole lot of churches in the Charlotte area I can send you to. Because for me, it's not about growing St. Paul. It's about growing the kingdom. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. If you would repeat this prayer after me. God, I thank you for singing over me. And right now, I desire to be in relationship with you. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe he rose from the dead. And I believe one day he's coming back. But until then, send your Holy Spirit to help me sing a new song unto you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new creature in you. In the name of Jesus, I pray this prayer. Amen. Do me a favor, if you would, if I have any deacons that are here, if you would, just get in the aisle just for a moment. Hear me, hear me well. If you just prayed that prayer, you meant that prayer in your head, in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. Salvation is yours. Is it really that easy? Yeah, because you ain't saved by your works. You're saved by your faith in Jesus Christ. Here's what I want to impress upon you right now. That if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you desire to know what that really means, I want you to just raise your hand tonight. If the Lord is speaking to you, raise your hand tonight. Raise your hand. If that word was for you and you know you want to connect with the God that sings, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. 
Raise your hand if you're watching us online. If you're watching us online on Facebook or on YouTube, do me this favor. If you would, just type in the chat. Salvation, one of our digital ministers will reach out to you, let you know what the next steps are. If you're listening to us on the telephone or watching us on YouTube, email us at connect at spbcnc.org. Leave your name and a number. And by 5 o'clock tomorrow, somebody will reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. Amen. If you're in the, if you are here and you know you already got a relationship with God, but you don't have a church home and you're looking for a place to connect, I would love to be your pastor. And these men and women here at St. Paul would love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. If that is you and you don't have a church home, would you hold your hand up right now? Would you hold your hand? Or again, I'll send you to a place where you want to go. We just want you to get connected to the kingdom, a local fellowship that will help you to become all that God will have for you to be. Will there be another one? Will there be another one? Will there be another one? Amen. Amen. We've done as commanded and yet... There is still room at the cross for you. You may be seated. I want to do one, one, one more thing before we leave. I still believe that the word of God is true. That when it talks about if you sow much, you reap much. If you sow little, you reap little. I want to sow into this preacher tonight. Uh, into the work that he is doing as far as his work is concerned. Um, so I'm going to ask this Alpha and this Kappa. I, yeah, your Kappa, yeah. Jerry thought he was coming to a fraternity meeting. Got on his alpha shirt. <laughs> Amen. I want you to do me this favor. If if that word blessed you, I want you to do me this favor. Um, and if you only, only if you feel led, if you would, you can come and sow right now. Just come and give something uh, as far as uh, an offering is concerned. Or you could do it online on Givelify or on ACS. So. I want to give you that opportunity. If you feel led, you can come and you can sow as far as tonight is concerned. Um, Or if you want to do it online, you're more than welcome to do it. Just put it under offering uh, and we will give you that ability to, to do that at this time. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. What a word. What a word. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We have heard from heaven in an incredible way. We thank you for taking this opportunity. Amen. I want you to do me one more favor if you wouldn't mind. Can you help me to celebrate? I have a friend of mine all the way from St. Louis, uh, Brother Mark Johnson, that is helping us out on the organ. Thank you for your gift of of playing. We so appreciate you flowing with the St. Paul Church family this week. We greatly appreciate you. Uh, offering your gift of music to us. We greatly appreciate that. Greatly appreciate that. We're getting ready to go. We're getting ready to go. And so uh, tomorrow night, same time, Dr. William Curtis will be sharing, will be preaching the word of God on tomorrow night. We're looking forward to the Lord using him in a mighty and incredible way. Before we go, uh, I want to thank our audio ministry, our media ministry, our ushers. Can we celebrate our ushers? They got you all seated fine. Can we celebrate this music ministry? And can you give God praise for our hymn choir? Amen. Can you give God praise for our preacher for tonight? And can you give God praise for the God that sings over you? Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand and we're going to be dismissed. Uh, the benediction will be given on Wednesday night. But as you go into the night air, it is my hope and prayer that the Lord will allow for you to make it home safe. 
get there with a sense of security and peace that you so need and you have a great night rest know that i love you but god loves you even more go in peace and may the peace of the lord be yours